Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers who enjoy discussing movies and related media. And uh, for this series of special episodes celebrating 40 years of Star Wars, we are pleased to welcome some guests. So, Simon, would you like to introduce our first guest? I'm joined by uh, screenwriter Antonia Maguire. Hiya. Hi, Antonia. Welcome to the podcast. Good to have you on at last. And uh, who do you have on with you, uh, Keith? And we also have a returning guest, Anthony Gwenho. Welcome, Anthony. Hello, hello. Good Filmmaker, evening. documentarian, and all-round good guy. Oh, yeah. Who am I to disagree? <laughs> so, anyway, welcome back. Um, yeah, very much. And uh, for this particular episode, uh, we are trying to see if we can bring balance to the force because uh, it is the episode where we are going to discuss the latest um, episode in the Star Wars saga, episode eight, The Last Jedi. So this is going to be a spoilerific podcast. Uh, if you haven't for any reason seen The Last Jedi yet, uh, we recommend that you Hit pause now, go see the film, and then come back to us. So, um, how many times has uh, people here seen it? I've seen it twice now. I've seen it once. Okay. It'll be a... Yeah. Let's just say, if I got a free ticket, I'd probably go and see it again, but I'm not going to just go and spend money going to see it. Okay. The room, that you wanted to see that a hint? <laughs> kind of. Kind of. <laughs> uh, I, I just... I Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there were other films I really wanted to see twice at the cinema this year, and I just didn't get a chance. I wouldn't say this is one of those films that I just think, nah, you know, whatever, I'll wait until it's on Sky or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I I've seen it twice. I've seen it in 3D IMAX with uh, my mates Ian and Alan. And I was also lucky enough to go to a special BAFTA screening, um, which had a Q&A with Ryan Johnson, Mark Hamill, Daisy Ridley, John Bayoga, Kelly Marie Tram, who plays Rose, Oscar Isaac, Benicio Del Toro, mm -hmm. and Andy Serkis. So I probably saw it in the best possible scenario one could hope for. Blimey. Hmm. Well, you've seen it twice, and I can't top what you did. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. But you've seen it twice. Well, did you see it in 3D or 2D? No, when I see it again, I'll see it in 3D, though. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I thought 2D. I, 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 I was gonna normally we, when I go and see the Star Wars, I'll see them in 3D. But I, I could, one, I couldn't get the tickets for it, and then I just my mate that I normally go with, he, he can't necessarily see 3D, and neither can I. So it's just like well, it's kind of a bit of a waste of time. So mm. once I, once my eyes adjust, I don't really see it in 3D. So I just like ah, just save my money this time a bit more, and we'll spill out on the luxury VIP seats in our View Cinema. That's as bad, uh, as much as we went with it. Yeah, uh, I've only seen it um, uh, 2D. Fair enough. Mm. Yeah, okay. I just I like I like the idea of 3D more than what I actually get from it most of the time. Some films I do see, and it's like that was that really sort of like you can see how they really sort of like use how the 3D works. And I'm not going to say Star Wars doesn't. It's just I you know I don't have an overwhelming memory of like oh I saw that. I did see Phantom Menace in 3D when they released that. Whenever yeah, you were one of the few as well. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, weren't we just saved from uh, seeing all the the rest of the films uh, 
converted to 3D? I really wanted to see Empire and Jedi in 3D. That was I, the original trilogy is what I was really looking forward to. And I'll quite happily sit through The Phantom Menace a fair few times if it means seeing like the original, <laughs> see what they were like, but that's not going to happen now. And, and again, you know, I don't, yeah. I'd probably, if they kept, if they brought the original trilogy out in 3D, I would probably go and watch those because it's the original trilogy. And any, any excuse to kind of like see them on the big screen always looks good. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll, you know, they will bring them out in 3D at some point. Yeah, I'm sure they will, because it's just more money. They can bleed out the fans. Oh, but, of course. I, I went to see, last year, I went to see Rogue One in 4DX, oh, which yeah. um, I totally, you know, I would never want to go and see a film for the first time in bloody 4DX, because um, it's too distracting. You know what I mean? I, I want to go and see the film for the narrative, for the movie. Not for all the, you know, uh, gimmick around it, and it and it did just feel. Uh, the reason I chose to see that film was, you know, I figured because Star Wars was the first film I ever saw at the cinema, I'd make the first film I ever saw in 4DX a Star Wars film. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the first time I watched it; it was um, one of the repeat viewings. But uh, yeah, you know, your seats move and you get dry ice and you get rained on and you get like punched in the back and all sorts of stuff but it's it's really actually quite distracting I and you pay uh, for that <laughs> yeah and you pay for that absolutely <laughs> a lot of money as well <laughs> yeah, people are paid for worse and things and things like that but you know i can i saw it there was a marvel thing down at madden two swords had like a 4d type thing which was kind of interesting but i think that's, that's what it was like yeah that's what it was like it was the same kind of deal was that only with a normal film narrative rather than something that's been specifically created to use that environment but yeah it did the same the chairs were essentially the same that's so yeah i think there's a thing with cinema and i think the reason why it endures over all of the mediums is because it is passive i think is the, i think is the right word but at least you, you're not it's not like a computer game where you've got to be fully immersed and be interactive with it with films it's just you could say it's kind of lazy because you just sit back, watch, immerse yourself more, and not be distracted by things. Playing games is like you know, people always. I remember years ago. I think actually when the uh, interview with Mark Hamill and oh, what's his name, uh, Christopher Walken, when they were like testing out, well, these this is the future of film. This is like, I can't remember what game he was. He did now start. Wing Commander. Wing Commander. So, Wing Commander. That was yeah. It. And and that kind of era, which we are going back probably about twenty years now that they thought that was going to be the future of film, and it just, it isn't. I mean, it evolves, and, and games have evolved, and, and you know, when you're playing some of these games, it is like playing a film. But it still isn't the same as, like, sitting in the cinema, feeling immersed, having good sound and having a good picture, but that's kind of as far as people really want to kind of, like, be bothered with. Like, even, like, having multiple choice things. I remember that was a bit of a thing once. You just, I, that's the thing with cinema. It's it's not meant to be that. You're supposed to feel immersed in, in it and just be kind of, like, tooting along, like, in a little... Like in a little sort of, uh, what's a game in Phantom Menace? Pod, pod racing? Oh, pod racing, like yeah. pod racing, you're sat there and you're watching it and that's about it. You're not actually controlling anything and that's part of the enjoyment, I think. Hey, if, if, it's, if it's a good script and a good film, it works without all of that extra gimmick. And uh, I even include 3D in that, you know, uh, since... For the history of cinema, they've been trying to do all these sort of gimmicks to try and make it compete with other stuff. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, 
if it's a good, compelling story, then all that other stuff doesn't really matter, in my humble opinion, anyway. That is exactly that's, but you know, which is the era that we're now living in, is that kind of the spectacle of a story that it's, yeah, it's it's getting that kind of like blend, and, and everyone seems to get kind of wrapped up with the transformer kind of thing, and and there's really not much kind of plot and. And I do find it sometimes also, with, certainly with Star Wars, there's, you know, because some of the old ones, you know, you look at some of the dialogue or some of it could be a little bit hammy or like certainly, <laughs> or even the acting is, and you, you certainly saw past it way back then because you kind of didn't think about it as much, at least we didn't as kids, but you certainly become much more critical of it these days. But there is this, you know, I mean, look at, I mean, some of the blockbusters, they are just that. There's no real sort of like solid story. So it's more about more special effects, getting more more visuals and kind of hopefully it'll paint over all the problems that really it has underneath with the actual script itself. But, you know, you can argue that with the Star Wars films. I could argue with a couple of the films and some of them I love, some of them I'm not that bothered about. And, yeah. So okay. uh, what did people think of the films then? Um, I was... I would say in, yeah, impartial-ish. It, I was very much, when I came out of watching Force Awakens, I was left sort of like feeling, I don't know if I enjoyed that or not. And this one, I came out feeling as though I enjoyed it, but only more than The Force Awakens, which, after much reflection on The Force Awakens, wasn't, wasn't too hard, because I really don't like The Force Awakens. So it is better than that. And, and there was some really, really good bits in it that I really enjoyed. But I just came away feeling a bit kind of like, yeah, you know, I, it's still... It, it, I, and, and I don't think it's... Thinking about it, it's not so much problems with The Last Jedi. It's just where this kind of new trilogy is. And there's a lot of things I still don't quite get how their kind of universe has ended up where it is right now after everything that happened in the original trilogy. So there's a lot of things that flowed over from The Force Awakens that, that, that still bothered me. So there was things like, like I was saying, like hammy acting, hammy line delivery, and some of the characters just being still a bit kind of annoyingly stupid. And and I just don't think it really kind of could have pushed the boundaries as much as it did. I haven't got, I mean, some of the issues that have been kind of flagged up with it, about where it's going with the directions, where, you know, where they're changing the direction, they've changed this and then Luke Skywalker and all this kind of stuff. I, I didn't really have any kind of problems with that as such. I found some of it quite funny that two years of people theorising about um, Snork and theorising about Ray's parents and it's like this massive sort of online thing and they just like, you know, just completely sort of like pissed all over it, which I thought was hilarious because <laughs> it's just like, well, there you go. You know, that's J.J. Abrams setting up the mystery box in his films and then essentially Ryan Johnson just took a dump in that mystery box. That's what you actually found in it. I thought that was quite funny, knowing that, like, you know, a bunch of fanboys are going to have an absolute meltdown when it was all sort of, like, very much kind of underplayed or not even, you know, what hasn't even gone into about Snoke. So I was, yeah, it's kind of, it's just, you know, it's it's a, it's, yeah, it's a film. You know, it's got its flaws. It's, it's got good, some really good bits in it, which does sort of, like, for me, kind of elevated it. And it definitely ended okay. I, I didn't sort of mind the ending. But I, yeah, I'm just, yeah, very impartial. I'm not rushing to think, God, I can't wait to see that again. But there was a point where I was thinking, do I need to see it again just to kind of make my mind up? But it was just like, but if it was any other film, and if it wasn't Star Wars, then why should I really sort of like have to go and spend more money just to try and make my mind up whether it was a good film or not? It should just be quite evident straight away from watching it whether I think it's good or, or bad for that matter. So, so yeah, so I'm, um, you know, whatever. 
about it. <laughs> it's basically kind of how I felt. Okay. Over to you. <laughs> Who wants to jump in now? All right. Well, um, I loved the film. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, um, the thing was, I came away Force Awakens. Uh, you know, there was there was quite a few questions that wasn't answered, and um, there was a few things where you think, well, why is it that Ray was so powerful, and you know, when it took Luke so many years to to get to that kind of same level. Yeah, and I think in in this film they answered those questions very well. I like yeah. I like the stuff about there being balance within the Force or in the universe, and I I like what they did with Luke Skywalker. Um, I don't know what people were expecting. Were they expecting that uh, when Ray turned up, that um, he would just, you know, take the lightsaber and go, right, let's go and defeat the, um... Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know... Like, hey there, what's happening? <laughs> exactly. But then why, you know, why was he hiding? Why was there a map and stuff? I did, I did sort of like think, you know, when people have said stuff about it, it's like, well, if you were stuck on the Isle of Wight for about 20 years, how happy would you be about it? Doesn't matter who you are. That's going to wear real thin. Real quick, so I, I did. I didn't have a problem with it. I just there was a lot of moping about on that island for like what's it like an hour or so. Like about half of the film was like moping about. It's like, and it just gets a bit wearing, really. And that's I, I don't have issues about where they sort of like had Luke and, was, and even though they've sort of like said, "Wow, this goes against who he was years ago." It's like, yeah, but that's you know, thirty years. In real, realistically, everybody changes over 30 years. Some of you can be quite optimistic, can be quite pessimistic, depending on the experiences that have happened. So I, I didn't have any issues with that. It's just all the kind of the moping about. And it was just, and, and it did feel like, I know I've seen films like this before. I kept thinking there was a film, American Shaolin, I kept thinking of. It was just, which is a really dumb film. And this, like, this lad who, like, he wants to be the Shaolin, one of the Shaolin monks, this American lad. He sits outside, and the pigeon became his friend, was one of the lines in it. It was just like, this is, it's really bad, but it's it's one of those really bad films. It was really good because it's so bad. And it was a bit like that. She potters about on this island with nothing much really happening. I don't know. I just, I think it could have been dealt with. I, I didn't have an issue with where they kind of were. I just, I just like where they, the way they kind of went about dealing with it just became a little bit kind of, yeah. Just, just anyway, sorry. Anyway. Yeah, well, I think what it is is that the, the, the story with Luke Skywalker was, it was about, you know, trying to convince him to become, you know, Luke Skywalker again. You know, is the man who had lost faith. He felt that he had hurt the people around him, that he had brought this great evil into the universe, and he felt that the best way to deal with it, it was to cut himself off from the Force, from everybody, and, you know, he couldn't do any more damage. And yeah. the whole the whole point of that island was to sort of show him that he was wrong and he, you know, the galaxy does need him and he does need to come back. And so when he does, I mean, that the end scene, when he faces off against, you know, all those atats and, you <laughs> yeah. know, and just brushes it off. I mean, that was just, that was great. 
you know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, just what I, you know, I, there was so many, I mean, other things about the story I liked was the fact that they would set things up, and but they wouldn't play out the way you would think. Because like they, they say in the film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, just so, because, um, you know, throughout sort of Star Wars, in the films, the books, the comics, uh, there's been this whole thing where, you know, a character turns to the dark side and another character then has to get them to turn away from it. And you have that a lot. And it's you, you have this sort of a lot of conversions going on. I mean, in the comic books, Luke turned to the dark side and it was Leia who, you know, made him turn away from it. That was Dark Empire, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, I seem to remember reading those. So, but in this case, you know, you thought that Ray was going to go and save Kylo Ren, and if anything, she's made it worse. Because yeah. Kylo, you know, not only did he kill his master, but you know, he's now he's now the bigger bad. Antonio, is there anything you want to say before I, because I, 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 I'm very conscious that I don't want to start rambling on about what I think and dominate it. So I just want to make sure everybody's had a, uh, a, a chance to say things before I go wading in. <laughs> no, you, you go ahead, Keith. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, for once, I actually did make notes because one thing I've learned through doing a hundred of these podcasts is I tend to wing it. And then when I hear them back, I'm like, oh, I never mentioned that. And oh, I meant to talk about that. And I never said this and I never said that. So I've actually for once made a list and I've got a list of things that I liked but a list of things that I really didn't like mm. as well. So I thought maybe we could go down the list and, and, and sort of address some of those things. Um, you organise, so there you go. No, for once, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I will, I will caveat all of this by saying though that in terms of the film itself, um, I thought it was enjoyable. I thought the ride was enjoyable. Mm. Um, so you know it, it's it was enjoyable to watch however um i have a lot of problems with it uh i think i stand in the minority because i've noticed most people that i've spoken to really love this um i personally don't like this anywhere near as much as force awakens and definitely not as much as rogue one um mm. And, you know, for me, yes, this is better than the prequels, but, um, you know, in terms of the, uh, you know, what has come um, since, the, since the prequels, um, this for me so far is the, is the weakest entry. So, um, you know, which, which surprises some people, but uh, I, I've got, as I said, I've got my reasons. And, uh, you, you know, as I said, I've made a list so we can go, down. I mean, do you want me to start with the, the light side or the dark side? <laughs> Let's go dark, because it's always like, good question, do you want the what do they normally say? I can't even remember what they say now, sort of like, good or bad news? Let's go bad. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. We bring ourselves to the light of a changing weapon, but <laughs> dark side, we must try. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Okay, then. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, so some of the things I ha- I didn't like about it. Then I, I said I thought the f- I liked the last third of the film, but yeah. I had major issues with the first two thirds of the film. Um, okay, this is in no particular order. Then so comedy. All right, I I really I really had a problem with the fact that for me, this film was trying to be like a MCU film in terms of the comedy, um, and I felt that you know all the Star Wars films have had comedy. Uh, I've got no problem with that, but I really felt that the comedy in this was misplaced. Um, it didn't seem, in my opinion, to to fit into the star wars universe um you know beginning right right at the start with the whole uh i'm on hold for uh commander hux uh you know the sort of phone joke um that yeah. was really tony stark to me um yeah, yes it is so i i had a major issue with a with a lot of the comedy in the film of uh, the fact that they threw a lot of comedy in in the serious moments that were actually working quite well and then they put something of comedy in which 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 pulled me out um it's very kind of sitcom isn't it like american sitcom like you have like a, a serious scene and it's sort of like oh we can cry but we can laugh too and they always throw some kind of joke to bring the like their humor kind of back up again but it's just like it isn't need that although the hooks thing because hooks i had a uh, some of the most of the time i have a, have a problem with hooks because I find that, and I love like the actor, he does some really, really good stuff, but I find his his take on it a bit kind of pantomime Hitler. Oh, terribly. I mean, I mean, Donald Gleeson is a, is a good actor. Um, yeah. You know, earlier this year he did, um, uh, you know, Goodbye Christopher Robin, for example, which, which oh. he's, that's a delightful film and he's really good in that, right? But I'm sorry, but Brian Johnson, in my opinion, um, gave the actors way too much free reign in this um you you know i mean hux was kind of big in in the force awakens uh particularly in that sort of propaganda speech type scene but that that kind of okay that they were sort of riffing on the sort of world war ii propaganda speech thing so that kind of worked there but right from the get-go on this, I thought, oh, my God, Donald Gleeson, what are you doing? You need to bring this down, way down. And it was like, uh, you know, in my opinion, Ryan Johnson needed to go up to him and say, yep, that was good. Um, can you just take it from a 10 down to a 5, please? Because uh, it was actually bordering on, it was so broad, it was, like you said, bordering on pantomime. Yeah, and uh, I had major issues with that. Major issues. With so that humor that they put into it, which did bring him down. Which so in one way the humor weirdly works, even though I, I did. But I can't say it, I didn't chuckle at it because I did because I, I find that kind of dumb thing funny. But it annoys me that it is still there, and it did take that scene. Although with that scene, or with him, he got a bit better when. Um, when Snork appears and then just kind of like face palms him right to the ground, it's like, oh, that was nice. And I did like that, seeing his head bash against the floor. Um, but, uh, didn't, you guys, didn't you guys like the fact that the other commanders saw him as a twit? I like the fact the other commanders ate Edmondson. 
Yeah, well, yes. Yeah, I, I, I thought they were turning it to bottom at one stage. <laughs> But no, I'm I'm talking about the command of the dreadnought. And then he's going to go full bottom, straight away from the offset. That would have been awesome. Seeing him smack his head up against the console. Ah, Jesus, would have loved that. But they didn't do that. <laughs> but that's, sorry. Sorry, Sam, I completely spoke over you then because I did get quite excited. When everything's like Aid Edmondson, it's just like, oh, my God, because my mate is a huge bottom fan. Mm. Oh, but, yeah, no, me but, too. I love that show. But uh, Star, Star Wars isn't it. So, you know, <laughs> uh, just there was a missed opportunity there. They could have such a bloody laugh with that, but they didn't. Um, but yeah, I, yes, exactly. I mean, it does balance that the other fellow does think he's an idiot, but it's still, it's not like an empire. You know, an empire that was, you know, you had, um, what's his face, some grain jokes. I can't remember his name. Um, and, and there was Admiral like Ozzel. You had as Admiral Ozzel and Admiral Peart and Captain Neither in Empire Strikes Back, but there was yeah. no silliness. There was no, uh, they, they were all playing it straight. They weren't being broad and silly like this. But, uh, and that's but anyway. Yeah, sorry. We'll stop sorry. Lingering that probably too long. But yeah, I, my issue with the humour and a lot of stuff, and actually a lot of the, like some of the latter Indiana Jones films, same thing, they just decided to do this kind of broader stroke of the comedy. And it's just like, that's not the, the, the humour in those scenes come from the delivery of the performances and the scene kind of, and then if there's humour there, it kind of comes out, not because they're deliberately kind of going in there to play a joke. And that's the difference. And they did it in the end, in Indiana Jones films in the end, and made them kind of lighter, which, although I did like Temple of Doom a lot, but... Um, they, they, they made Marcus Brody, who they set up in Raiders, as quite a serious guy. Yeah, they turned him into comic relief, but, you know... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That just drove me bloody mad, because it's just like, he, they really played him like a right like dumb clock in, in sort of like the third film it's like and 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 same with Salah they just became kind of like comedy caricatures of themselves and and that's the danger when you do any of this kind of stuff it just you can just make it dumb and and just kind of like playing about it in Star Wars and it can be a bit hammy it's just like isn't really an excuse and they didn't need to do you can have humour there and there can be light moments but not like playing those jokes although you know the, the whole waiting on hold thing did, did make me chuckle I can't say that it didn't but I could have also very easily lived without it, though. But I'm just glad they didn't. Find the flag. So Simon and Antonia, do you uh, do you disagree with this sort of first point about the, the the humor and the comedy? I mean, I know you guys really enjoyed this, so you know I want to give you guys perfect opportunity to defend it as well. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I can completely disagree with a lot of the things you guys have said. Okay, good. <laughs> it makes for a much better podcast. <laughs> well, I, I don't understand why you just didn't like it in the frame of mind if you like the original ones. Because I know everyone's main issue is that it's the second one they wanted to compare it to Empire, and it should have been this, it should have been that. But the fact is, it's nothing like Empire, and it's like you said, everything you saw or you thought saw was going to come didn't come, and that was like the most refreshing thing, which I thought found myself and. I mean, maybe because I know too much about Star Wars and I've read too many books and I know a bit about the history. Like, it's meant to be a take on what would happen. I mean, the way I read it was that, say, the Empire had won, the what the children would have done if they carried on. So a lot of the characters like Huck, they come from a historical background where they were brought up with the Empire. So it's the like the Nazi children, I suppose, growing up, and this is why a lot of them are very young. It's, that's the kind of thing, so they're kind of like re, trying to recreate that and probably not saying it properly. But um, it's always kind of 
weird things that super nerds know about this reading about it and why there's certain things in the film that don't fit and obviously they've done that so you will buy the extra stuff and understand the story more but I mean I always sort of when people start criticizing I think you're not eight years old anymore that's that's what kind of annoys me because it's made for an open market and but it's also made essentially for for eight and twelve year olds so those humorous jokes that's that's very much the same jokes that sat with you in the original Star Wars, but they're just now, but your only comparison of them is the films you've seen recently. So, I mean, it may be the trend, but they were very prevalent in the original Star Wars, that kind of humour, and that kind of, you know, the the, the loud speeches and stuff they had in them. That's, it's, it did happen in Star Wars. Like, you know the meeting in the original Star Wars, when they talk like that, it's, it's, it does happen in all those films, but it's just put into these films, just done differently. Because a lot of it is very homage very subtly, but very homage to the originals. I mean, they even sort of did that with the prequels, which you didn't really want, but they did it because it is part of that universe. Mm. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I, I think you make a really fair point. Um, and, you know, one of the things uh, that, that this film absolutely does accomplish um, is the fact, you know, often The Force Awakens got a lot of criticism that it was very uh, derivative of um, a new hope and whatever, and kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, well, whereas this, whereas this definitely isn't the dark second chapter like the Empire Strikes Back was, and and, and it's gone its own way as, as as far as that goes. So yeah. you know, I, I I agree with with that wholeheartedly. Um, well, I think um, but, the Force Awakens as a way of sort of saying this is your Star Wars that you've been waiting for because. Let's all face it, when everyone saw The Phantom Menace, we were all like, yes, this is going to be the new Star Wars. And what pisses me off about that fact is that it does sit there in cinematic history as the film that most people brought tickets to go and see and saw. It wasn't a multi-viewing screening that people saw it, but it was like, was it pre-sale tickets, people going to see it, and that story about people going into cinema, buying a ticket to see the trailer? Yeah. You know, that's, that will go down in history. So, like, they couldn't undo all that history, but they did The Force Awaken and it was, you know, this is what the Star Wars you've been waiting for. And, and I know some, so many people had issues with that. And I remember reading this really, um, I would say, narcissistic and sexist article saying, oh, it's all very feminist orientated because, was it Kathleen Kennedy? Yes. Is now the head of Star Wars. Mm. But um, I never really felt that. It just felt very, they were going their own way for it. I mean, it, it's a trilogy series. There's so many things that aren't going to be explained. I mean, I read something today about how um, they've set Carlo uh, Ren's character up as the biggest baddie you could possibly get because he has killed his master, which is very much the next one. He's going to be not essentially the most organised or scary, but he has the most to go for. Like you had Darth Vader, let's face it. it was, despite he was scary as hell as a kid, he didn't do much, did he? Like when he was in Rogue One, you, that was the first time you saw him kicking ass. Oh, yeah. But you just you knew for a fact that he was big, scary, and he wore a helmet, that he was not a nice person. But in this one, it's kind of you've seen him develop. Like the prequels, they didn't give you enough of his history. Or well, they, they made him whiny. <laughs> they made him really like yeah. he was the least. They really did. Yeah, yes. It just <laughs> everything you thought it was going to be, it really wasn't. 
Yeah. You know. I mean, the prequels were supposed to be a, a fall from grace, but there was no grace to fall from. Yeah. He, he just started off bad. Well. He stubbed his toe. <laughs> well, he didn't start off bad, but by the second film, he was, uh, you know, he was a bit of an arsehole. Yeah. And he's not exactly somebody you would look back on with fond memories. Yeah. And the love story that split the universe or something, they said, and it's like, what? That's no. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things wrong with that, like the acting, the the way it was laid out. Like, was it the story of George Lucas? He was writing scenes where he was driving to the sets. You know, there was, it was very much, that just sounds really bad because it was a whole yes man sort of scenario where everyone said yes, yes, whatever you want. Yeah. And no one said to him, like, that doesn't quite work. I mean, people said that about, you know, J.J. Abrams, that he was another yes man for The Force Awakens. But, I mean, I don't think as much as George Lucas because he was the, you know, everyone just wanted to work on that film. I mean, you know people that work on that film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, um, I think with J.J. Abrams, he's a very good mimic. Mm. Uh, he, if you want somebody to make a, a Steven Spielberg film, but you can't afford Steven Spielberg, then you get JJ Abrams. Mm. And yeah, you because know, when you watch Super Eight, Super Eight is like a uh, Steven Spielberg film, but it's, it wasn't made by him. So where does everyone stand on Ryan Johnson and his previous films? Because I'm, I really like his film. Like I was actually looking on to be, he's not really done much, but what he has done, you know of it, you're aware of it, and it does stand out. What's he done again? So I've looked he's him up done, and I can't remember. Uh, Brick and Looper. Brick and, he's and done Looper. And yeah. The Breaking Brothers Bad. Balloon. Yeah. And a few episodes of Breaking Bad. Uh, yeah, I know some people I, like I liked an itself. episode of Breaking Bad very mm. much. Mm. Yes. But, um, yeah, I mean, well, you, you know, I've I've got a few, um, as we carry on, I guess, with, with the issues, it will bring some of the other things out. But, I mean, just, just to sort of... Um, come back to what you were saying. Um, you, you know, one one of the things I do think is 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 better with the Star Wars films now, and I don't think they've necessarily made it a thing um, like that. Uh, you, you know, you said that somewhat sexist review that you might have read of it is is the fact that I do think it is more representative um, mm. now in terms of the the, the cast, but. I, I really don't think they've sort of made it a thing. I don't even really think about it. It just seems, um, you know, we've got a new set of characters that the, that the old set have passed the baton across to. Mm. And, you know, the new set of characters are great. Yeah. You know, I've got no issue with the, apart from, like I said, apart from Hux's slight, slight overacting in this particular film, I, 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 um, well, I he's, don't have he's a ginger. He's got a issue with the characters. <laughs> He's represented the ginger. Yeah, yeah there you they're go. very angry and very put down upon. <laughs> but I, mean, like I, I do. I, 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 I had a bit of a problem with um, Benicio del Toro as well. Um, really, again, a great, a great actor. Yeah. But uh, it was funny in the Q and A. This actually came out. Um, they asked about the, the the stutter. Yeah. And obviously, that was something that um, Benicio. Uh, you know, bought to it. But apparently right after he did the first take, one of the producers that was on set um, said to Ryan Johnson, uh, are we sure about this? And Ryan Johnson <laughs> just went, no, it's great. Yeah, let him carry on and endorsed it. Mm. But again, it, 
I'll be honest, it pulled me out of the film a bit. I thought, this isn't the usual suspects. This is like, you know, Star Wars. And yeah. I suppose it didn't matter, but I, I found it a tad distracting. I, I have thought to it was say, kind of but, cool know. and endearing because we've watched, um, so me and Simon, the Rebel series. Yeah. And there's a lot of characters quite similar to him. And there's a part of me that was like, oh, all the kids out there that stutter, they're going to find that really cool, you know. Well, there's, there's a soft part of me that was like that. Yeah, yeah. And, until he betrayed the resistance. Yeah. yeah. Did he? Did he? We don't know. We, he yeah, did. Yeah, did he? I, I think he did. <laughs> I think he, he really did. I mean, the fact that um, Hux goes, oh, somebody actually telling the truth for a change. But, yeah, um, yeah no, I mean... I mean, just sort of going back to the humour, I, I didn't find the humour that abrasive, to tell the truth. I, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, the... Uh, there wasn't any farting jokes. No, there's def- yes. there's no farting <laughs> jokes. <laughs> no stinky poo or anything like that. And the... Um, is it the uh, the porgs? Hmm. You know, I, I thought that was handled really well because, you know, quite potentially they... You know, they it was like this thing where... It could have quite a bit. It could have quite been the the, the Ewoks of the series. Well, yeah. I mean, as you know, I'm not a massive fan of of, of the Ewoks particularly, but Aww. at least at least the Ewoks were absolutely integral to the plot and um, you, you, you know did something. The, uh, these porgs. I mean, that the cynic in me, and you know, I am now old and cynical compared to the first trilogy but you know the cynic in me says that the porgs were in there just to um for them to be able to sell the plush toys i mean edith bowman who actually did a really good job of the q a i have to say um yeah, she, she actually yeah. had a plush porg with her you know and that the, the porgs were kind of i mean they were just there to be cute and to you know, make Chewie feel bad about possibly eating one of their cousins <laughs> or whatever he was doing. Well, it wasn't but, possibly, uh, it was that, definitely a really porg he had on a stick. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they didn't. I mean, they, they, you know, I, I'll be honest, the porgs are one of the things on my list that I had a bit of a problem with. But oh, okay. I mean, you know, only from a cynical they were just there for the kids to be cute and and sell toys side, as opposed to the Pogs didn't really do anything in this in this film other than be mildly irritating for well, me. But, it made uh, the whole <laughs> island quite interesting because imagine if he'd sat on the island because was it there's a Twitter account uh, was it Lonely Luke Skywalker yeah and it is hilarious Lonely just, Luke Lonely yeah. Luke and it just takes the Mickey about him being on the planet and imagine he like he was there on his own like literally on his own. Maybe the porgs make it a little bit more interesting. Yeah, the porgs and the fish people. The caretakers, yeah. yeah. The caretakers, yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, the, uh, the, the, the the big creature that gave him the green milk. That's yeah. Straight, straight <laughs> from the teat. <laughs> oh, come on, that moment was classic. That was especially, especially when it looked over at Ray. I was like, you want some? <laughs> she looked a bit embarrassed, didn't she? Yeah, it was kind of... Okay, I mean, I mean, special thing between her and Luke, but no, it wasn't. Yeah. No, no. It, it made, well, Luke made me laugh the way he like, winked at her. He took a good, good old swig of it with it still all in his beard and stuff and kind of gave her like a crusty old tramp look. How do you guys feel about Luke Skywalker's character? Because I know there's a lot of flack people saying that. 
Well, I can imagine they expected him to be all heroic and, like you said, come back in swinging a laser sword. But I think there wasn't anything you could do with the character because, to me, he not being ages, but he was pretty old. And it just, if they'd made the film earlier, he could have come back in kicking ass. But it was just very much, I think what they did was quite good. And I know there was this whole thing about, you were saying, he should have come in, been the, you know, the new Yoda. But then that would have been too predictable. I really like the fact he did basically fuck all. But he did a lot doing fuck all. It's only at the end that he kind of stepped up his game. Yeah. Which made no, it really that, that interesting That's what I do agree with you on, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... Like you said, he's been. We don't know exactly how long he's been on that planet, but yeah. it's 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 more than a decade. Hmm. Uh, or it looks like it's more than a decade. Something in the Force Awakens when everything sort of like went a bit pear shaped, and they hmm. said like, I'm sure it'd been like like twenty years or something like that. Which yeah, yeah. maybe. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, possibly, but hmm. um, you, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't so much have a problem with with the fact that he, you know he was sort of cynical about the Jedi and, and felt that he'd failed and, you know, because of what happened with um, Ben Ben Solo and, you know, all of that stuff. But the, the, the one thing that did bother me, and I've got this on my list, is, uh, again, you know, JJ set us up beautifully at the end of the last film, you know, with this whole, you know, Ray bringing the lightsaber to Luke and handing it to him. Mm. I have to say, when he just kind of threw it over his shoulder, I did actually want to groan. I was, I was kind of, uh, oh come on, we had mm. this amazing build up for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's ironic because he, he, he jumped into being a hero, and now he's given the opportunity to be a hero again. He doesn't want to do it, but and again, she's jumped into being a hero and she's wanted to do it. So it just, it's like it's gone, you know. Full flip mode, and both of them where they've taken the opposite, you know, the roles over of each other, but very subtly, because it's not a really obvious sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have any issues with where kind of Luke is. It doesn't. Mm. I, I don't. I kind of get where people are coming from, but it's like because I know there's all the fan fiction and things like that, so they're all expecting something else. But I've never read any of that, and I've only just gone by that. And you just think, well, if in course of events, if this has happened and that's happened. <clears throat> doesn't matter how optimistic you are, things can happen and you can change a lot over the course of 30 years. Mm. So where he was and, and his kind of mindset and stuff like that was never like an issue with me. I got, I got a bit fed up with it because it went on for like an hour of moping about and stuff mm. and it just got on my nerves like that, to be honest. But as far as like where he is, I suppose, mentally and stuff like that, it wasn't, yeah, I don't know. I, I just didn't have issues with it. And then, you know, you know, I mean, the thing is like what one fan fan community would love, the other would hate, and there's mm. always going to be that kind of conflict between everybody. And they all want the Luke Skywalker of old and, like you say, come back like flipping around like Yoda did in, uh, in Attack of the Clones or something. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I, I didn't really have an issue. I mean, I just, I mean, most of my issues really stem from the first, from because I didn't like The Force Awakens and I didn't like, I, I just didn't understand half the stuff that was, how they got to that point again and it wasn't really explained. And but the only issue with Snork I have is like, I don't, kind of care less who he is but I just kind of want to know what how did he become there in the first place when they'd all already gone through all of that and the whole point of the original trilogy was getting shot at the Empire getting shot at the Emperor and that's it and then they've like landed themselves with another one in the space of about you know 20 odd years or however long the, the First Order is supposed to be about and I don't I still yeah a lot of that hasn't been explained to me but anyway maybe I've missed a point somewhere along the films but well, that's the thing. There's there's a lot of stuff that still has. I mean, that that was the other thing. Is I know this is only 
you know, the second in, in, in act of this sort of next chapter, if you like. But, um, you, you know, there were a lot of, there was a lot of mystery set up in um, uh, Force Awakens that, uh, you, you know, we sort of expected maybe to get answers for in this and, and we did we actually didn't get that many answers um and, but that's a, an issue that i've got with the force awakens is like all these questions and it's like it's it creates this intrigue which is, is which is okay fair enough but it also kind of detracts from thinking about the film itself it's sort of like it's like oh well this is okay because it's actually a part of a bigger grander plan but it stops the film from being a self-contained film and and sort of like having its proper beginning and end, mm. and and sort of like and that like Star Wars was an empire to a certain degree, and this film felt more like that beginning and end kind of film, and and but that's my kind of my issues with the Force Awakens. It's like well, no, this would all get explored. It's like well, yeah, well we kind of know that, but have, there was a lot of stuff like that going on with the film, which I just thought really was a distraction from. Actually, it's, it's kind of like a remake of Star Wars. It's, it's kind of like that. There's a lot of similarities between it, and far too many for me to feel, you know, just comfortable to sort of like sit there as a, a, just a casual viewer to think, ah, oh, okay, this is something, this is fresh and new, and something we haven't seen before. It just, yeah, I just yeah, well, yeah. apparently, um, apparently, JJ and Lawrence Kasdan had actually done an outline. Um, for this episode but ryan johnson when he came on board uh basically asked kathleen kennedy if he could just throw it out and do his own thing so that so this is this is basically ryan johnson continuing what jj had set up but not sort of following any of the um the strands that that kasdan and, and abrams had, had put in their outline because um, that was kind of discussed at the, the Q&A a little bit as well. Um, so this is completely, you know, Ryan Johnson's uh, version of of, of, of of this completely. You know, he, he both wrote and directed this. So, um, you, you know, the, the, bits, the bits that don't tie up are because he's taken them off in his own direction if you like that's why so. I, I, I didn't mind where he took him I find that that's really interesting because basically Ryan Johnson has done to J.J. Abrams what J.J. Abrams did to George Lucas with his version of the script I think Catherine Kennedy or I know, this, I know Lucas did a, a version of whatever The Force Awakens was going to be yes he did just kind of yeah. through uh, I'm not going to do that I'm going to do this which is fair enough They're, it's their films now and they do what they were like with it so I, that does amuse me slightly <laughs> but JJ is now coming back to be a finisher, yeah. which will be interesting because yeah. JJ historically has been one of these guys, whether it's on television or movies, where he's been good at setting things up, but hasn't necessarily been a finisher. You know, Lost yeah. as a prime example, you know, Star Trek he set up and then he moved on, um, you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting now he's coming back to see where, you know, he will now sort this from 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 what, you know, Johnson's left us with, um, which, which you know, it is kind of left with still a lot of stuff to sort out, um, as you'd expect from a second chapter, to be fair, yeah. so yeah. Well, I'm interested to see what's going to happen in the third one, because Ryan, no, sorry, J.J. Abrams is the only director I've ever really, you know, read so many things about and he's very apologetic for his own work like he's apologized profusely for things in star trek and he's apologized for things in star wars because he's made mistakes where um you know that's fair enough but 
He's the only director I've ever read anything about that actually really apologises to people about his work. Well, I don't think Ryan Johnson's really going to give a flying monkeys about people saying anything about the work he's done. But yeah, sorry, just thought I'd just say that because I do like J.J. Abrams, but he he's the only director I've ever seen really apologises for things. And he doesn't really need to. There's, you know, there's more directors out there that should apologise for things. I uh, know, he needs to apologise for uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh, don't ah. get to Star Trek. You, you pay to go see that. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is why I like him, because he's apologetic. There you go. It just sounds so British, though. I'm, sure, I'm sure the money that he got paid for doing that helps his sort of guilt uh, somewhat. <laughs> with, yeah, I, 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 I like him. I don't think we've ever interviewed him and stuff, and I'm not earning anything bad about him. As such, I do. My I always felt there was like everyone raved about him, and I just thought I've seen a few couple of things that he did at the time when people were raving about him. And there was like him and Josh Whedon. I thought I kind of enjoyed Josh Whedon stuff far more than what and and JJ Abrams stuff was getting far more recognition than Josh Whedon was at that particular point in time. It must have been about 15 years ago when I was having a conversation with someone about it. And then and now, obviously, things are quite different now. I was gonna say, Josh is doing all right as well, it's, so it's really um, not really, but, yeah, he's like, a, bit, a bit in trouble at the moment, Josh Whedon. Yeah, yeah. Josh Whedon's is a bit in trouble, isn't he? Over. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been a bit. He's been a bit. Yeah, he's one of those ones. Well. I think something's coming out of that. Oh, uh, right. But beyond that, blabbing. what do you guys actually think of the action? It's, 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 thank God it's not Fury Road with a road. But I did like the way it went. You know, because there was a point. Because yeah. I was thinking, things... how, how many people are left alive when they're killing them off? But it <laughs> it, it was really like I, I really felt for them because there was so much things going wrong for them, but they kept going. Well, yeah, I mean, can I just say, I just, you know, the, the thing about Empire, when I think about it, is that uh, even though the Empire was breathing down their necks, it didn't feel like it was going to be the end of the rebellion. Mm. Because there were, we, we knew there was more rebels somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. But with this, you really felt, I felt the stakes. I felt that, you know, if, they couldn't escape the new the first order then that would be it that would be the end of the resistance yeah. i mean you just saw their numbers just dwindle all the time when the force awakens they destroyed those planets which hold the republic mm. and that's you know their main you know help they had there was no one really else so there was that sort of weight of information if you thought about it but i mean that was that was really like bleak mm. Yeah, and then uh, thinking Leia was Oh, yeah, there. yeah, it had its darkness, for sure. Mm. Um, you, you, you know, and the way they they handled some of that stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I've not yet read any of the reviews on this at all. Uh, and I've also not seen too much about the making of it, apart from, you know, the little bit that I sort of gleaned from the Q&A. Um, but what, one of the things I've got, you know, on my list here... Uh, while we're sort of on the point of action, I, I thought the action was good. But one of the things that I felt with this is this film to me, and I don't know whether it was, but whereas Force Awakens and Rogue One, where they did rely, you know, a lot on, um, you know, visual effects, as all Star Wars films do, um, they they actually sort of went back to that sort of old school filmmaking of doing a lot of stuff practically and, and for real. Um, this film, to me, felt a lot more sort of green screeny prequel type 
Um, really? Well, actually, they, they apparently scenes, made, they made 100 sets. There was 100 sets originally, initially, um, they were going to do. But then I think, because, yes, I watched something online about it, where they had to double up on their sets. So they just adjusted some of the sets, and it's all the same sets. They're just redoing them. But initially, there was going to be 100 sets for all these different scenes. So it is very, right. that they've all made sets. Not a lot of it is green screened. Okay, because I, I must yeah. admit, I mean, the bit I'm referring to specifically here, which is another bit that I really didn't like in the film, was the whole, well, part of the whole subplot, which which was a bit of a waste of time, but the, the casino planet thing, I absolutely hated that. That felt like one of the prequels to me, the whole thing with the casino planet Um well, that's, that's kind of I in just, lieu of the Star Wars universe. I mean, that that is essentially what the universe is like. I mean, when you think of Star Wars, I mean, you only ever thought they were in spaceships and in space and little bits here and little bits there. You didn't actually see the whole world. I mean, George Lucas went OTT when he did the prequels because you saw way too much. And that was pure green screen. So I think they're, they're gradually going to give you more of a taste of the, you know, the whole universe because, I mean, I think when the, was it the Solo film comes out, yeah, that's one of the films you're going to see more of that kind of universe because to be fair we haven't seen a lot of the universe there's not even much said about the universe really out there and it's, it is really weird when you think of it there's been six films but we still don't know anything about the extent of the universe where, where you can say fairly enough you know a lot about Star Trek so it's like there is so much out there that they you know it's amazing when you have science fiction you can make things up and it's believable and just use a couple of weird words and it makes it sound cool so I mean it, that, that's to me because I've read some of the books and you know read the comics there's there's the whole like Moss Eisley world and stuff not well city so they, I think they're trying to set a lot more up because they're definitely going to have more of Coruscant in the next one that wasn't blown up oh so, I mean yeah. the, the other thing I liked about that section was that you know you actually saw people kind of being downtrodden mm. I mean so if you take the kids in in Last Jedi to the kids who were supposedly slaves in Phantom Menace. Happy lives. Yeah, I mean, Anakin, he had it easy. You know, he could run around, he could build pods, uh, he could race them, he could... So yippee. Yippee. He, you know, he can build, a, you know, he can build C-3PO. And it, these poor kids, you know, they're having to live in the stalls with um, those creatures. You know they're being they're being whipped. They're you know they're they are like urchins, and you know you, as much as um, the rebellion, the resistance of fighting for the downtrodden, we never really did see the downtrodden. Mm. So it was it was kind of interesting to see that for for once, and I like the fact that. They, they went back to him at the end and the, the final shot with the kid looking up and seeing the what must have been the Millennium Falcon but like a star streaking off I thought that was a beautiful ending shot I mean much better than the ending shot to Force Awakens yeah yeah the I, I guess it was a scene of optimism wasn't it yes. um, you yeah know, that end because obviously he, he had the, um, the 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 resistance ring that um I guess Rose had given him. Did, um, ah, but did you did you me. notice something else that the the kid did? Did you see the way well, he, he he made the broom fly to him? Exactly. Like yes. He, like he had the he was force sensitive or, or whatever. Right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was uh, 
you know, it was very, uh, which would be the link between Star Spiel, Wars. Spielberg very... would have liked that ending, you know, kids and shooting stars <laughs> and stuff, you know. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, we need Bick and Bob in the next one if they're shooting stars. Oh, God, that'd be awesome. Hey, Edmondson, Bick and Bob. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> The whole subplot with um, with uh, um, Finn and Rose, right? Which which I actually kind of liked their relationship and and those characters. I thought they worked nice together. But obviously, their subplot was kind of an ill fated one. Hmm. And did you sort of feel that? I, I mean, I felt like that had just been sort of stuck in to give those two characters something to do in the film, um, rather than sort of, it, it didn't really feel like it sort of served anything in, in, in the bigger picture. But, I, um, I don't know. I mean, because I think, I mean, I don't I don't know what else they could have done instead, because the, the whole point of that was that uh, Poe, Finn and Rose were trying to do something to help the capital ship escape. They were trying to take the tracker off and, you know, because they didn't know, and this is a spoiler, but they didn't know what the main plan was. They just thought that they were just going to keep running until they ran out of fuel, that mm. their leaders didn't know what they were doing mm. when the leaders actually had a plan but just wasn't willing to tell anybody. And so it, it felt right that they should they, they would go through this to try and save the capital ship to come up with something. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, they are rebels, uh -huh. you know. But, that was, but that's one of the problems there, though, was, like, why didn't she tell them? You know, why? I mean, I know Poe, you know, you know, almost killed off all their pilots. Yes. And, and, and <laughs> got demoted, yeah. And um, got demoted, yeah. for it. And in the face. Uh, was it? Uh, was it? You know, that's harsh. You know, Captain Kirk blew up a ship, got demoted. He wipes out nearly all their crew. He got demoted. I can see. I can see where where they were thinking thinking with that. But this is kind of part of the problem with it. it. Was like, why didn't she just tell? I mean, there's we don't really do that in the military. Like you don't, you're not always very forthcoming with your information about strategy, because you know you have to keep it under under wraps just in case it goes wrong. So that, yeah. she didn't tell him under, for a reason. For like, obviously he messed up. And because in military strategy, you don't always tell the information because you shouldn't question the, question the chain of command. That's I think that's how, why they did it. But that's you know, kind she of was like a very good-looking military of, woman in a very stunning the, dress. The kind of character that he is, he's, he's obviously he is a rebel. Mm. So he's going to do something really bloody stupid if he doesn't agree with it, which you could see that he didn't. So there's kind of like, I understand like, you know, the, you know, chain of commands and stuff like that, but there is a point where it's like, well, this fella could really bollocks it all up for us because he's already done it once today and he might do it again. <laughs> so they've really either got to lock him down and, and slam him in a cell or something rather than, yeah, yeah, go for a little wander around and then his ship gets blown up and then Finn, for some reason, is there to give him a nice little rub on the chest when he flies back. I don't quite get that bit. That somehow, like, they needed a bit of him at least running towards him, like a nice slow-mo of Finn running towards him as, as what was his name, Poe got blown backwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, should have, they should have just killed him in the last film like they were supposed to. Yeah, but they, if they kill him in the last film, I, you won't I, have the romance of Ray. Because at the very end of the film, you kind of think, oh yeah, that's the look. <laughs> there's, there's a, you know. Oh, you mean the same look he gave Finn at the end of uh, Force Awakens? No, he bit his I lip for that. <laughs> 
Well, but it's the basically, I think this film they're going to do a love triangle somehow, whether it's with you know Finn and Poe and Ray, or Ray and Poe and Kylo, or all of them yeah. literally in yeah. a triangle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, the, the fan fiction smut must be like rolling in it now. Oh, yes. Coming up with the ideas. Yeah. But I, I have yeah, to, I, mean, I must admit, I did like the um, the story arc with Poe. I mean, the fact that he was this headstrong pilot who, mm. you know, he's a, a loose cannon. And at the end, he starts to realise, actually, you know, it's not worth killing all these people just to mm. destroy one thing. That, you know, life does matter. And, you know, sometimes there is no... Um, uh, failure and retreat. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I think he does learn that. I mean, I, I, one of the things I really liked about it, I thought Laura Dern's character, complete with her purple rinse, was was great. You know, um, uh, I, I thought she worked well. Phyllis. <laughs> well, I have to say, it's, it seems to be like Laura Dern's year because uh, she was also great in the uh, Twin Peaks: The Return. Yeah, with many hair shades in that as well. Yes. So what did everyone think of like the baddie aspect of the film? Because I was actually the, them killing Snoke was that was that was really no one saw that coming. I and thought, I actually yeah, really liked I, it. I was I was it was a real pisser because I was really really enjoying it, and I really wanted to kind of see where it go. But I thought it was a good. Personally, I liked it. I liked the fact that they did that. Mm. I thought it was a good enough kind of like twist of like just it's, and then it's not following the same mm. kind of yeah. path as what Jedi and and, and what you kind yeah. of might become Jedi or. or um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that bit because yeah. that that whole part started to feel very much like the throne room in Jedi with the mm. whole "oh look, um, look at your fleet being destroyed" and you know, "come to me" and you know, "turn to the dark side" and all this sort of stuff. And the fact that they kind of completely one eighted that and kind of got rid of Snoke was definitely a um, uh, a surprise and a change yeah. of course and, I, see, um, I love the fact they didn't explain one. anything about him they probably will say something about him in the, later on but the fact is like in the originals you didn't know anything about who the emperor was you just think the emperor he's he's got a big name he's the emperor but you didn't need to know that he was a baddie you just need to know that he was the emperor and with Snoke there's so many theorising like he was Darth Plagueis that being the emperor's old teacher mm. and yeah. then they, it didn't matter shit because you know he's gone now it just we'll get a whole series of novels about snoke no doubt yeah. <laughs> but that was a, a thing that i i, I think that the, the difference between like the original trilogies that at, at that point anyway there wasn't really anything kind of before that we knew about yeah so we just you know he could have been around for x amount of like decades and then he's become the emperor and sith lords and blah 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 mm. but for me with like the snow character it's like well this, this is like I said earlier like you had the original trilogy getting rid of all of that getting rid of the empire and the emperor mm. and then within the space of x amount of like 30 years then there's somebody else just as powerful as it would seem so where did he where did he come from because he looks quite old so he looks definitely would have been around at that time so well, I think for me, that, it needed to kind of have some kind of correlation. So it's like, okay, well, this was like, you know, like a Vader's Secret Apprentice, which would have been, I would love to have done like that, like they've done in the computer games, but just something that gave some kind of context to how they missed him completely think, in that original time and any other time since. That it's, and the same, like, the same way as like with the First Order, it's like, how did they let this happen again? I know we had like kind of World War One and World War Two. 
but it was, you know, that's the thing that's kind of bothered me the most about these. It's like, how did all this, like, how did they, how did anybody let any of this happen again? And how did they build, like, a Death Star that was, like, ten times or whatever times the size of what the other one was? When the books, they, they, they never actually got rid of the Empire. They just sort of, you know, they're meant to, like, amalgamised it with the Republic. But then, as they explained about the arms dealing and the, how they make, how people make their money, it, it never did go yeah. away. So that's always right for people like uh, <clears throat> Trump coming forward and just, you know, controlling everything and monopolising everything. And I think, but I mean, explaining that, again, it's going to go in way too much detail. I can just see, like, my nine-year-old niece's face looking at me like, what? There's some things that you really don't need to know. And if it's if it's just Leia saying one thing in it, that's probably the most they're going to do. Because, like, yeah. they don't even go into so many reasons why Ben Solo was, got so evil, you know. He was being manipulated by Snoke and, yeah, then looks how it looked in his head. You don't need to know much more than that because it's, you know, it's... it's but the, it's, yeah, there's, it's, a, there's a lot that's kind of explained just with the lineage, the fact yeah. that his granddad is it's Darth Vader. Yeah. So yeah. you know that there's the potential of the dark side in all of them that that could happen. So we didn't need... I know for me, that's that's been, uh, my big issue has been, well, I kind of just need to... How that... If that if that happened then and they got did this and they all went and then how did all this start rise again within within, you know... X amount of years, and that's what's been my one of my biggest problems with this sort of like new trilogy. Mm. That it's something that I just kind of need. I'm, I'm not necessarily I don't necessarily care who sort of like people are. Just how did this particular event happen all over again? And they're doing mm. the same thing. Well, I'll, all I'll over give you a tip: again. never ever read the extended universe, the the non-canon books they did over the years that I read when I was younger, because oh my freaking god, there was so much stuff going on that that every year. In those the timeline they did the stories of the Star Wars characters, they always had a different big bad come up, and they came out of nowhere and they did this, and they did that, they defeated them. But those books, they just they kept giving them big bads every year by if different authors. I mean that that was something that really got on my nerves. At least with this one, you think, oh, there's this one big bad, and this is what's been building up, because you yeah. can kind of see this, even though it look it is the Empire, it's not called the Empire, so. It's probably been building up secretly because, again, I've read the books that are now canon. I think I have to get my canons right. They yeah. explain that it has always been there, that it never did go away. They just had them subtly in the back. Uh, which yeah. would actually make a lot of sense because yeah. when you think about it, the Empire, this was one of my problems with, with, with Jedi to, to a certain extent, was, you know, they have the Battle of Endor and then it all seems to be, you know, all tied up in a nice bow. And you think to yourself, well, hold on, the Empire... Are vast and they're across the galaxy so surely um you, you know so just someone else will take command and, and you yeah. know they'll carry on and i mean this is one of the good things with you know the fact that this is you know more than 30 years on from from the end of return of the jedi to the sort of beginning of force awakens yeah. so you, you know i i think that bit's quite plausible that mm. um that you know the first order could have formed and and uh like, like you said, you know, nev never gone away. Um, I think that sort of works. And one of the things I did like, much as I didn't like the casino planet and the subplot bits, I did think that the explanation about the money not only builds the TIE fighters and TIE bombers yeah. and things of that nature, but also the X-Wing fighters, I thought, well, again, that makes total sense. You yeah. know, that... That is kind of like the real world, almost, with the sort of arms, you know, race, as it, as it were. So I, I, I did like that part. 
Yeah, it's always Rogue One, the kind of muddying of the waters. That, you know, just because they're all good doesn't mean to say that they're that good, that they're not prepared to do deeds that would be seen as being bad or evil. And that's and what I quite liked about Rogue One that did that. And that's the same type of thing. It's like, well, they're buying, you know, it's, you know it's, effectively they probably uh, stole from Tony Stark. It's all coming together now. Disney own everything. There you go. It's life imita- art imitating life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, what about, I mean, how do we all feel about um, uh, Kylo Ren stroke Adam Driver and sort of the force and the way that um, Ryan Johnson has sort of expanded on what we know about the force i mean how, how do we feel about that in this film i think he did a really good job of it because he didn't make it too um like completely unbelievable and it, there isn't a lot of things that are explained about the you know the jedi and the force from the originals not going to prequels and the midichlorians which no one cares about thank uh-huh. god they didn't mention that but i did i do think he did a really good job of that because he made it they were more like you know, they could do more than we actually realise, and there's going to be more that we're going to see. But um, I think how he handled it was really well done and not too ambitious. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I, I mean, like I about mean, Ryan... I was lucky that they've got Force time in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> so that they can, they've got Force time so they can see each other and have calls. <laughs> that was, I think, like, it's like, I can't remember what I was listening to, but it's like Wizards in Space, and that's very kind of building on the wizardry of sort of like what they're all able to do. I mean, like that, the way that, you know, Kilo Ren, Kilo Ren does polish off old Snoke was, because I mean, there's not there's many times I've been watching Jedi, it's like, instead of just kind of like pulling the sword to him and then striking, why don't you just spin it and turn it on by using the force? That would have sorted it out straight away. And yeah, so, but that wasn't in Luke's nature to do that. That's not what Jedi's do. That's just, you know, that's just piss poor, really, on Luke's side. <laughs> but, anyway, um, but I just, yeah, I just, I like, yeah, I, I do like the way that he, mm. the way that, I thought that there were some aspects of that film I really liked on, and the whole kind of relationship that was kind of building between him and Ray, and, and this kind of like, kind of exploration of, of stuff was, was really good fun. And that scene in, with Snoke and stuff was, one of my favourite parts of the film. And Sandy Serkis is a legend anyway. I love Andy Serkis. He's like a, a, seemed like a genuine, genuinely lovely fella. But he really sort of like brought something to that. And that's the only thing that I was gutted about what happened when they polished him up was that you're just not going to get more of that because I really enjoyed it. I, I just There was so much more energy within that scene, so to speak, um, than, than some of the other stuff that was kind of going on within the film. So... But either way, I still agree with what they did. I just it's just a shame because I just that's I was really getting into that and really enjoying it as well. But makes it more impactful, I suppose. Mm. Uh, I think as as a director, Ryan Johnson, he's like from Brick and Looper. Um, everything he's done, there is a reason in it. Because like, it, I mean, you've guys seen Looper, haven't you? Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see if you watch it back after watching out what it what it actually means. There is everything in it has a purpose and a reason, and the same within Brick. Because when it all, when you look back about what happened to the kid in it, it's like, oh, you, you actually did tell us that, and that was actually we could have just known that sort of thing in the film. And I think he's done that, even though you probably have to keep watching it again. I mean, I've only watched it twice, but there is probably a lot in it that you have to go back and realise. Oh, definitely. I yeah. mean, I mean, one of the things you, you all know from other podcasts that you know, I'm I'm Captain Continuity, yeah. <laughs> and what one of the things that was driving me 
nuts during the film. And then, of course, it paid off at the end was when Luke came back in inverted commas. Yeah, <laughs> I thought to myself, hold on. So he's dyed his beard, he's cut his <laughs> hair, what the fuck, <laughs> you know. But then yeah. when, he, when he took the lightsaber out, and I'm like, he's got the wrong lightsaber, he's supposed to have the green lightsaber, and that's the lightsaber we just saw get bloody ripped in half, you know, two scenes ago, what's going on, and all this. And then, of course, you know, he's a force projection, and it's like, oh, okay. And that's how they remembered him, like, 20 years earlier or whatever it was. So um, so you're right, you know, he sets things up. And, you know, I looked at it as a mistake initially, and then it absolutely, you know, made total sense and paid off when, when we got the reveal um, at the end. So, um, yeah, although I still don't get why he had the blue lightsaber, not the green one, but that's just yeah, that was a nitpicking. I think it was just one of the sort of symbolism for Kylo Ren's character that he had that lightsaber, which I think the lightsaber that um, Maz Kanata had and that Ray was given was Anakin's lightsaber, but was also um, Ben's lightsaber, because he keeps saying, it's mine. Not When you kind of think, oh, that's because it was your granddad's, but then you see the scene where Luke Skywalker goes to kill him and he pulls out a blue lightsaber and it's the same lightsaber. So he, yeah, we still it, don't know how Maz got it from Bespin, though, do we? Like some 35 years yeah. earlier, but uh, that's a whole other story, I guess. <laughs> oh, I yeah. still love the joke where um, this is one of the memes that came out of Force Awakens going, there's a hand with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, where's Luke's hand? Yeah, there you go. In fact, um, that's one of the things I thought, unfortunately, um, Maz in this was a bit, you know, that sort of... FaceTime call they or that Skype call they have with her while she's in the middle of a battle so she could sort of tell them where to go. Well, that's, um, I think because she was a fan favourite, they had to bring her back. I mean, she's, she's an interesting character. But yeah, you could yeah. You, you generally felt they you know, they needed a character that would be known that you could trust and they, they could use her. But then the whole, how did you know her? I have to say, I must admit, it was kind of like, uh, when I saw it, it just reminded me of the FaceTime call Spock does to Spock yeah, in Star Trek Into totally. Darkness. <laughs> yeah. That's back. It was, it was very much like that. It was kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. we've got to get them in again. Oh, let's just do a, oh, uh, you know, we don't normally talk about that. Having said that, you know, let's let's get another one of those scenes in. But, uh, yeah, it did, feel, it did feel a bit like that. But, um but, you know, but she is a love character and a good character. And it was interesting to see the uh, flying off with the rocket pack at yes. the end. I was like, oh, wow, okay, that's cool. But uh, <laughs> So what was your, what was your least favourite um, part of the film, guys? Like, when you um, really didn't like that, you, that it, you know, chewed you up the wrong way? Well, I, I've said quite a bit of it, I think. But what, one, one other thing, I've got one more <laughs> thing on my list of not likes uh, before I go into all the likes. And the, the one other thing I had on my list of not likes was the uh, the crystal critters Aww. were clearly just a... Yeah, I liked them, but they were clearly just a, you know, a, a Deus Ex Mansion, you know, a, um, a plot point uh, there to, to show the sort of where the rebels could escape from. Um, they didn't really seem to be there to serve any more purpose than that and look pretty. But um, but they were well done, I thought. But uh, it was it was in there for that reason alone, wasn't it? To uh, to provide the escape, as it were. Mm. But um, 
And I thought Phasma was wasted in this film. Yeah. You know, yeah, she's again, been wasted character. in in all the films to tell the truth. I mean she was wasted in the first one. I suppose she was can, to be fair, yeah. There's yeah. not much you can do with the character. I mean I think that's as much as you're gonna get out of her. Because mm. she's she's just the lead stormtrooper person. Yeah. 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 I mean if, oh, if you didn't have Kylo I'm, Ren sorry. then you know, Captain Phasma could have felt filled that role. But it is it was a case of that, you know, Kylo Ren was the new Darth Vader, so I don't know. She's as say the new Boba Fett. No, I wouldn't say she was the new Boba Fett. I just say she's like lead stormtrooper. Yeah, but um, one thing that did drive me mad, and this is real geek territory, but it's the scene that had my favorite thing and my least favorite thing all in one scene. Right? What annoys me is since the prequels, they seem to have wrecked on the fact that. Everybody can understand astromech droids all of a sudden. And the fact that Luke could understand R2 when he saw him in the Falcon uh, wound me up. Because definitely in the original trilogy, without a translator like um, uh, 3PO or a thing within the cockpit of the X-Wing, he could not understand R2. And now all of a sudden he can. Um, That annoyed me. But I also love the fact that he projected Leia from... A new yeah, hope. I thought that was wonderful. So there was a thing I liked and a thing I didn't all in one scene there. <laughs> yeah. I have to say it was um, every time Carrie Fisher was on screen, it was kind of tough to watch. And the the bit when she went out into space and from the... Um, oh, you love that bit. Well, I mean, it, I thought that was it. That was going to be her send-off. Me too. But then yeah. uh, she was... She used the force to get back, even though the shot did make her look a bit like Mary Poppins. Yeah, very much. Just a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I still, I didn't mind it. I mean, because, um, you know, she's, she, I mean, when she comes, when she's comes out of her coma, I thought that was great. You know, especially um, shooting uh, Poe. Was that like her, like the laser she had in New Hope? I mean, yes, it certainly was. was yeah. Yeah. Set to stun. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. yeah. yeah, that was like full circle. And, and obviously, mm. I loved the fact that there was the dedication to her at the end of the film. Well, yeah. Obviously, we knew what they were going to do. But it does leave that big question now what the hell are they going to do in the next film? Because, um, you know, clearly when they made this, they had the intention of, um, y- you know, uh, Leia being in the next one as well. Well, she but, was meant to uh, be the most prominent. Old character, so that um, Force Awakens was more about Han, Han, yes. and then uh, the Last Jedi was obviously about Luke, and then this the last one was going to be more focused on her character, because you know. But now, yeah, yeah, I mean, I have to say, I thought Snook or Snork, Snook, Snook, God, it's so difficult, um, <laughs> was very well realised as a CGI character. He he actually yeah. fitted in quite well when yeah. when you finally saw him when he wasn't just a hologram. Uh, but the thing is, when we saw the sort of young uh, Princess Leia in uh, Rogue One, mm. it yeah it was uncanny valley. So I don't know. I mean, it there's the potential of you know of there being sort of sort of some kind of face replacement or something some cgi character but they said they're not going to do that that's, mm. that's what they said 
Yeah, but I mean, it's... You don't yeah. know if they've shot anything, but it's, yeah. You've got to wait another two years. Yeah, I mean, but I guess it, it depends on when the next film picks up, and it could be just, like, even just sort of, like, blurted out in the opening scroll, saying, with the, with the unfortunate death of Princess Leia, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, the, the the rebellion falls into or something like that. I don't know, but it, it could be something that's that with just as simply as that, which would be a little bit crap. But they might not be left with many choices because it depends on what. I suppose I think the family must have a say whether or not they would allow her image to be. I know that there must be a certain sign off that image, you know, likenesses and all, all that kind of thing can be used. But I don't think they'll do anything to disrespect her memory no. or, or or the family for that matter. So I think there is definitely going to be a. a there's going to be. A bit, I know there was a meeting. Apparently, wasn't there? Not long after she passed away, between the family and Disney and Star Wars people and all that, to see right how are we going to move forward with this? Are we? Is it going to be a CG replacement, or are we going to do this? We're going to do that. So, yeah. So whatever they're going to do, they're probably the plan's already in motion. They've just got to kind of work around it. It is such a shame because it was, you know, and there's some of the, you know, with the Force Awakens, some of my favourite bits within that film. Were, and there was a few of them, but there were those bits between her and Harrison Ford. They were just they, yeah. they really sort of like did something more because I did feel Harrison Ford was a bit woody in most of that, but like his scenes with her were fantastic and really sort of like pulled you back into like that Star Wars universe. Oh, I I, I liked Harrison Ford in in Force Awakens. He seemed to be more into it than he has been in a lot of the other films he's been doing recently. No. Yeah, I didn't. No, I, didn't. I mean, you've really seen, have you seen that nice. film uh, Ender's Game where he plays a general? I mean, I oh, that no, that I'm was like... That was for the money. That was for the... Yeah, he, he just really didn't care. That's that's where they... You know these impressions of him mumbling come from for doing <laughs> the interviews for Ender's Game. Yeah. We were yeah. there for one of them as well and it was... Yeah, he is, he is an awkward bugger. <laughs> Put it mildly. Yeah, there's moments that he can be fine, I'm sure, but there's not that many of them. I, don't think. <laughs> oh, I, I, I actually thought he was sort of giving it his all in uh, Force Awakens. And uh, I think, you know, I think he got, uh, well, he got a great send-off in it and uh, Luke got a great send-off in this. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was, um, apparently there was, obviously this is a very long film as it was, but mm. there was um, a Han funeral scene that got cut out of this apparently, but um, they did actually film a funeral scene for Han, which to be honest, I wish they'd sort of left that in and, and got rid of some of the other stuff instead. But, um, <laughs> you, you know, unfortunately, yeah. But I don't know whether we might get, something there you know from that on on the deleted scenes or something on one of the releases but uh it was filmed apparently and that would have involved carrie i guess yeah so i thought he was going to pop up as some kind of like hologram recording or something like that but in the um when luke saw r2 and he did the hologram thing i I somehow thought because i know that he was they said i was contracted for like the three films so and whether that was just a kind of as a bit of a rouge because he was actually going to get polished off but um yeah it would have been nice to like see a little hologram type of thing pop up but then you're starting to get into kind of star trek territory (laughs) so like the hologram starting to pop up everywhere yeah. I get that with Star Trek because there's no holograms and now there's holograms everywhere it's a little bit weird but that's another story <laughs> yeah I, I like the fact that the dice um, uh, featured um, 
you know, a close up in, in this film. Um, and it makes me wonder whether part of that's a little bit of, um, I mean, they, they're always there. We just never got a close up of them. And yeah. I just wonder now whether that's a bit of a foreshadowing for the, the Han Solo movie, perhaps, you know. Uh, <laughs> I think the, the dice is meant to be more symbolic about something like the, you know, about the Star Wars lore and how he won the Falcon and what the Falcon means and how yeah. he's been passed on. Yeah, I mean, the, it's it's a little touch that um, I think, you know, it, it, the the dice have, have always been there. Mm. And, you know, I don't think Lucas has ever really sort of concentrated on them. But um, if, like me, I used to play the, um, the, the card game, you know, where you collect the cards and Hans Dice were very much a part of that game and it's you know it is actually still a still taken from a new hope mm. so the fact that they included that in the film i thought was great it was a nice little touch that i don't think yeah, people were quite aware of yeah now I, I thought it was nice that we actually finally got to see them up close rather than just glistening at the top of the cockpit so mm. um you know that that was cool i liked all of the um i mean some of the space sequences and particularly the sequence where the falcon um you know flies through the sort of uh you know that mineral planet um oh, at the end i thought that was fantastic and um i love william's score as always and you, you know what was nice with this one is yes there was there was a new theme for rose who's obviously a new character but um you know, he, he brought in lots of these sort of other themes into this as well. And uh, it was great to hear that sort of uh, music when the Falcon was, was, was going through the uh, the planet and stuff. Yeah. So I thought that, uh, that was amazing, you know. And of course, Yoda's theme. Favorite moment. <laughs> it just it feels really, it's, like, it's really kind of like Empire and Jedi when they're, like, when they're flying down. Sort of to blow up the Death Star, it felt like that. It's like, now this feels really kind of like because there is something highly iconic about that ship and it's like if that thing got destroyed in the films then there would be a fan meltdown because that i think people probably love that ship more than anything else and it's just just yeah that scene really sort of like did nail it and and that was like one of the things I and mean, it's one of the things probably that probably saved a lot of the film for me that even you know i didn't completely hate it and i didn't completely enjoy it but there was just bits that were just like i loved that and that was one of those bits that just was like yes and you got that kind of a buzz of excitement when he's like bombing through the things, but yeah, so that was a yeah, that was a great scene. Well, have you guys heard that there's like um, super fans out there that the campaign to Star Wars to you know completely ignore the Last <laughs> yeah, Jedi and then redo it, and that's there's actually people out there that what they're signing they're signing petitions. Yeah, there's a change.org petition because yeah, people got time to do what sorry to say that again to to remove the last jedi as canon yes get rid of it completely i've never heard of that before what? yeah yeah I yes I it seems about 80 people signed it mm. <laughs> bloody hell well i mean where, whereas whereas i say i have a few issues with the film um you know removing <laughs> it from the canon is a, is a tad further than, than I'd think with that, you know. I have a few niggles with it as, as a fan, but at the same time, you know, enjoyable film, and I like a lot of the things they did in it. I mean, how do we feel about Yoda? We've not spoken about Yoda coming back. Was, how do we feel about that? I was really happy to see him back. Yeah. You know, there was one... I remember, what was it? I, I read somewhere, someone had 
uh, was it? They zoomed in on the trailer shot of the rock and said, "That looks like Yoda. Yoda's in it." And that was extreme fanning on someone else's part because I just randomly saw it and thought, "It's a rock." Well, if, if you look on if you look on IMDb, unfortunately, he's listed there as Yoda as yeah. Frank Oz. And it's quite uh, prominent, uh, but I I was happy I didn't know about it. It mm. was, I, you know, it was just yeah, I was so happy to see him turn up. There's like. Well, Miss you, I have Skywalker. Well, there's rumours yeah. that they were going to have. Well, he, what's his name? He definitely had the yeah. best line in it oh, when right. he said about the the, the, the ancient <laughs> writings, and he goes, "Page turners, they are not." <laughs> <laughs> yes, why don't you have page turners? They are not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it was good to see Yoda. I, think, yeah. I thought that was. Uh, a nice touch. But um, uh, did you notice that the actual uh, Jedi texts didn't get destroyed? That they're actually on the Millennium Falcon? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they yeah. were there at the end, weren't yeah. they? Yes. Yeah. yeah, Ray had taken them out, I guess, or whatever. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't, I actually, I didn't pick up on that until the second time I saw the film. To be fair, I hadn't noticed that until then. And I was like, oh, yeah. But, um, I've just realised you guys have missed a really essential scene in the film that is like, causing quite a stir in the universe. The, uh, Go the, on. Light, uh, the light speed. No. Adam Driver topless. Oh, <laughs> oh what, what, on their fourth time call where she yeah. says, uh, yeah. can, you put on a, can you put on a cape or a robe? Or <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious because... Um, because I'm on Twitter just reading things and it's like, it's a thing now and there's a gif and there's a meme. It's like, yeah, it's, only, it's, it's only been a few one. days it's been out. Like, well, actually, it's been a week. Mm. And it's like got people going all over it. Yeah. And I was already screenshotted it and sent it to Simon and my sister because I, I do weird things like that. But yeah, it's just, it's suddenly become a new thing. I we, just find it's hilarious. Yeah, because it, it's also <laughs> this weird thing because it, 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 it was this weird thing where it, his head looks really tiny. It's like somebody had, they had superimposed a, uh, like a bodybuilder's uh, body onto him, you know. It looks slightly weird. I mean, I'm sure it is him. I'm sure he he, he bulked up and worked out for it mm. for that shot. But it it just I don't know. I think it was the angle or, or something. It just it just looks slightly off. That first shot. Do you, ever, do you ever play Altered Beast? Yes. That's what it reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to turn into an animal. <laughs> That's it, just the wall. it was just, it was, yeah, it was. I actually, I had a, a copy. I probably still got it in the loft somewhere. It was years and years ago of Terminator Two, wow. and it was shot like front row. So it's like the days like people discovered camcorders and stuff. So, so they shot this thing. So Arnie's like body was massive at the bottom, but because <laughs> of the angle of the camera, it's just our head's tiny. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. Oh yeah, he's he's got that. He he's got scars, he's got sure. the, the yeah. scar. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I I, I, I didn't see a problem with that scene. I mean, mm. it made it made for a funny line for Daisy Ridley, and uh, you know, she doesn't get many of them. So you know, I thought that worked well. I mean, um, you know, that was good. Uh, one one of the things I thought the film handled well as well uh, in in the sort of Star Wars style, and this is sort of less about the internal universe now and more about the sort of editorial side of it. But 
I thought it did its um, cross-cutting between scenes really well. But one of the things I did miss, and I could say the same of um, Rogue One on this as well, is I missed the transitions. They didn't have the sort of uh, oh, the you know, George, George Lucas wipes and whatever, which, um, which you know, J.J. did put in on his his one. Mm. So... Um, yeah, you'd have a couple of them. Not as, not yeah, as many, but they did have a couple of them. Yeah, there was a couple, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. There was one. Was only like did, a, they only did it when they went to see to Luke. It was only done when it was on um, Act 2. Yeah. Because, you know, that's like another homage. But anything else, it was just done normally. Yeah. I remember once, yeah, I do remember one on the Nylons. I remember there's one, it was like a, it was like one of those, it was like, it was like an iris effect that went down and then it dissolved at the same mm. time. I can't remember the, the context of, of how the two shots were cut together now or what was before and afterwards. But I remember one of those and he just kind of, I don't know if it went onto the planet and oh, I, don't know, I can't remember that. <laughs> yeah, right, fair enough. But there was, there was a couple, there was definitely a couple of them in there. Yeah. So um, do you think this film as sort of, um, well, with The Force Awakens, um, Ray was very much accused of being a Mary Sue. Do you think this film's now kind of wiped that clean? Mary Sue. Uh, Mary Sue is um, when an author puts themselves into a story and they're like best friends with the characters and they, you know, they're they're actually better than the main characters and they know everything and they're all, you know, there's no faults. I can can see why someone would say that, but... At the same time, I mean, I think the thing with Ray um, is, you know, we were expecting to get a lot more answers about Ray in this film, and she's still very mysterious, um, which, which in some respects is good. Um, you, you know, uh, there was a point in the film where we thought, you know, they did that nice effect where where she was in the mirror mm. and whatever, and it looked like we were going to get some sort of reveal as to who her family lineage is and uh, we didn't and um you know we get kylo ren basically telling her that they're, they're they were nobodies and um you know it has nothing to do with the fact that she's as strong in the force as she is but i mean i, I still think we've got a, a shitload of um mystery surrounding ray which which still needs resolving i mean that's that's uh well i mean i thought uh, I thought the film did a, a, a good way of sort of saying, well, the thing, the reason why she became this powerful was because there was an imbalance in the force because mm. Kylo Ren was so powerful, there needed to be an opposite. And they, and the reason why they were searching for Skywalker is because they thought he was the main threat. Mm. He was going to, you know, be the powerful uh, Jedi, but because he had blocked himself off the, from the force, the force had gone somewhere else mm. and it was Ray. So hence why um, her abilities were, you know, came about so quickly. And I thought, you know, okay, I thought that, okay, that, that does explain it. Cause they did it in such a, a, a really nice way of doing it. You know, when Luke's trying to persuade her that the, the force is about balance. It's, you know, he was saying it's folly for the Jedi to think that, they had all these powers just because, you know, that they deserved it or they, you know, it belonged to them. And it really, it was just 
uh, it was a way of the galaxy balancing itself out. So there had to be, you know, light and dark, good and evil. And so I enjoyed that. I think also the fact that, you know, um, it, it's a case of do you believe what Kylo Ren tells her? Mm. You know? Well, there's that, isn't there? Yes. Well, I, 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 would rather, I would rather her be, you know, the, the child of these two, you know, uh, you know the, the worst parents in the whole universe, you know, selling her off for a drink or food or whatever. Then her being like the daughter or granddaughter of Obi Wan Kenobi or Luke Skywalker, because it then just makes the universe really tiny, and it also just yep. it keeps going back to the the Skywalker family line. It's like you know, it's a big galaxy. There's other families. We well, does saying it that that's her biggest weakness, her parents, and saying so your parents are nobody you love. But you know, you're something to me. It's it's you know that's a manipulation on that part on his part it could be but you know this until the third film you're not going to have much answers but it is very intriguing how they go about doing that cause, yeah you, know, you don't see it coming because, because yeah you think he's going to say something really profound and then she's going to find out mm. and it's like nah well that was the whole setup in um, Force Awakens mm. I mean the whole shot of her as a child seeing the ship flying off. Yeah. You know, it was like, well, obviously she was like hidden there, like Luke, because mm. that's that was the impression they were giving. You mm. know that, you know, she was the daughter of somebody, some Jedi or something, and mm. you know she was hidden away on this planet. But I, I actually prefer the fact that it's not that. Yeah. Mm. But do you think it's something that J.J. Abrams might change again? He might say, no, actually, this is what I want. Now he's going to be coming back for the third. Yeah. It's like, you, you know, you might have undone these things, but no, I want this. So we, and which you can do, you can do anything, say, like, snort, actually put that image in their heads about who her parents are, so they're still hidden and all that kind of stuff. So do you think it's possible that he may try and bring it back to what he wanted the second film to effectively yeah. be and the story to sort of, like, eventually involve to, or yeah. he will just try and pick it up more from what? Ryan Johnson's trying to do and end it the way Ryan Johnson. I hope he kind of mixes it because there is you don't know who the Knights of Ren are, mm. and there's so many things like you know need to be explained that like, you know because there are reasons because these are you know Snoke's character you know you can you know it doesn't really matter much now, but there's there's things you kind of need to find out about how it's going to progress on. Yeah. Basically, I think the next one, I'm not gonna, I don't think it's going to be the darkest one, but it is going to be probably one of the more heavier ones because obviously you know, Princess Leia is going to die and there's so many things that are going to go for because you've got all these new heroes because each of the heroes is kind of replacing the older heroes, the ones that, you know, have gone. I mean, would you say Leia's Luke and Poe's um, Han and Finn is Leia? <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, they say that what the people have been campaigning that they, they want to bring back um, Lando Calrissian because then he would be basically the last of the original semi-original character. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, like, who is actually, I mean, there's only, like, Anthony's original cast or characters. They can't get there's, rid of him. They, they've tried. They just can't get rid of Anthony. <laughs> I've heard the stories about that as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have to say, though, I must admit, I, right yes, yeah. he was. In Force yeah. Awakens, he was really bloody annoying. Mm. He was just shoehorned in there. You know. But with his red arm. With his red arm, yeah. <laughs> and also Rogue, uh, Rogue One as well. It's like, oh, well, he shouldn't have been there in 
Rogue One. That, no. that was the one thing in Rogue One that didn't make any sense. Is exactly. R2 and 3PO shouldn't have been on Yavin at, Yavin at that point. They should have already been on the... Uh, the blockade runner. Mm. Yeah. 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 Which, uh, you know, is, is one of my minor nitpicks with, with Rogue One, which, uh, well, that's a whole other podcast, but I'm a, <laughs> I'm a massive fan of Rogue, Rogue, Rogue One. Is, is my Star Wars, you know, it really is. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, this, this does leave a lot of questions still. Um, but, yeah, fair enough. I mean, we've got a whole other film to go. You know, you know, to close off this this part of the saga, and um, y- y- you know, it's it'll, it'll be something to look forward to. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, Ryan, Ryan Johnson went against expectations with a lot of this, and um, you know, that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, y- y- you know, my, my my issues with the film is is more to do with some of the, um, uh, if you like, the pacing. Uh, and some of the like, as we've already gone into in detail, some of the humour in it, etc. But overall, I mean, you know, I think by the way, one of one of the strongest things in it as well was I really loved the fight sequence between Ray and uh, Kylo and the, um, you know, the, the the royal guards or whatever yeah. they're, they're 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 called. I know there there used to be a whole. There's been a whole. Um, uh, extended universe thing on those guys, hasn't there? I yeah, think, the, the... The, the the royal guards. Yeah, um, yeah. they're Palpatines. I've, I've forgotten the name of these guys. They're different, but they've you know they're quite similar. But yeah, yeah. that was that was kind of like well, that's big. But then it was like it was uh, some red saints say like it's the first Star Wars film and there's not a lightsaber battle, but there is. But it's just not with lightsabers together. It's like yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. So the nerds are like <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there was a lightsaber battle with uh, Luke and uh, Kylo at the end. It's just the fact that um, Luke never really... Um... He weren't there. <laughs> he weren't there. <laughs> he never he attacked, no. He phoned it in. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was more in. dodging than he was uh, attacking. Mm. My captain continuity was going nuts though before the reveal. It yeah. really was. I was like, "What?" The? So hold on, he dyed his beard and cut his hair. What the fuck, you know, and all this. Oh, but uh, it made uh, sense. I had, it was a bit at first, but then you think, "Well, I'll ride it out because this, this is going somewhere." Mm. Yeah. Because so I was thinking like that. Oh, maybe it was like some kind of a hologram or something like that. But I thought, no, it can't be. But because he was like interacting with different people in the way that he was, but it was like, yeah, it all. I'm glad that kind of played out all right in the end because I just always a little bit vain go and dye your beard and stuff like that before you go into battle it's like but anyway it's getting his war paint on not on your girdle I <laughs> <laughs> wasn't sure about was did Aid Edmondson die in it or was he just um I that's the thing I you, you didn't see him die no he couldn't have died because he was on um he was with the same ship as Hux and Hux yeah. was alive because they were in the same yeah. place together yeah. So hopefully he'll be in the next one. That's right. Yeah, there's there's already been some Eddie Hitler memes already. I found one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's there going, Richie, Richie. <laughs> oh, it's just so odd. Oh, that that made my day when I saw him. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, it, it was any, great. Yeah. Any relative? Well, I have a mother. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think. 
we should sort of uh, wrap it up now. Um, I think we've done it to death, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, so at the end of the day, have we, have we got balance in the force? Is what I want to know. Though, do you think we, we we've um, we, we we've accomplished a balance in the force? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think, yeah. But was it balance yeah. the force? I think that's what the next one's going to be called. That's my theory. Uh, prediction time. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Does it make sense though? Because it's like, where can we go? Can't do revenge. Can't we do return? Yeah. Mm. You know, it's something's awakened. They've been the last of something. Can't be the first of something now, can it? Could be attack of something. Oh, yeah. The death of something. <laughs> something. 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 <laughs> something dark star. Yeah. Nothing yeah. dark side. <laughs> uh, I. I'm just hoping to see that. Uh, f uh, film Blue Harvest, you know, terror that's beyond. Uh... Oh, I can't remember the tagline. Damn it! <laughs> beyond the farm. Beyond the farm, yes. Um, it's going to be the, the 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 bottom battle. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I mean, I mean, we can all agree it's. You know, it, it's been worth seeing on the big screen, and oh, for sure, yeah, oh. and 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 I have to say, it's nice to actually see a director's vision being wholly put up on the screen. Hmm. It didn't feel like there was any tinkering with this one. Did you feel that in Rogue One? Oh, we know it's happened in Rogue One. Yeah, but it, it felt very, you know, very fluid, despite the fact that it was obviously multiple reshoots. Uh, I don't think for this one, there's only one scene I've heard about in the trailer that didn't appear that was Ray running. She, right. didn't, she didn't do any running in it, did she? That's true. Because, you know, fans, they nitpick as they do about yeah. trailers and things not appearing. It's part of their Jedi training. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that was, oh, that was the other thing. Did I miss that? Luke said there was three things he was going to teach her, and I could only count two. So I don't know. Was there a third, or was the third just well, what get, happened at the end? He didn't I have get no to idea. it because she, she naffed off. Well, he he caught her, you know, uh, force timing uh, Kylo. <laughs> That's their way of getting around the fact they haven't got mobile phones and mm. Skype in the uh, in in the Star Wars galaxy, isn't it? We've got force time. <laughs> yes, or as uh, Qui Gon Jinn uses in um, uh, Phantom Menace, it's a um, a lady's shaver. Lady shaver. Oh dear. Did you not know yes. that? And there's things I don't want to know about that film. Best is not knowing. You got all the you got all the merchandise. Yeah, but that was that was the other thing. Suddenly, in, again, in, in in Phantom Menace, suddenly the Jedi have all of James Bond's gadgets as well, and it's like what you know, like to mm. go underwater and all this mm. sort of thing. But, oh, that's uh, right, yeah. but there you go. We've we've already we've already done that one to death, haven't we? So, Just a bit, yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing I like about The Last Jedi is that they haven't gone down the route of, you know, the prequels where I think shiny, shiny, new, new. Because it's like, uh -huh. if it was newer than it should have been. But they've kind of kept it, yes, everything's a bit, you know, worn and tattered and not really working great. But it's, it's you know, they're still using it. Where yeah. the prequels, well, I think, was just disgustingly new. Uh, yeah, this yeah. is true. Particularly Luke. He was a bit rough around the edges in this one, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, before you got the die job. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, All right, it's blue rinse. Yes. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. 
and uh you know i'm sure people uh can make up their own minds i mean i've i don't even remember that this bit there being so much of this kind of backlash straight away with phantom menace so it, it, it kind of feels weird that people are coming out to attack this film it is but it's a different world then though isn't it with like the internet mm. and, and the way we kind of communicate has expanded because like what was phantom menace was 99 99 mm. yes I mean, it was just a di- even though we obviously had the internet and all that kind of stuff but it wasn't quite it wasn't Not like it is now. Yeah. We, didn't have, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't. I don't even have MySpace even back then, really. So no, we didn't. I don't think it was MySpace. It's only just about like YouTube and stuff. So I think was it YouTube back then? No, no, no. no back, it was Messenger. Back, did the thing like that. Back then, yeah. if you back then, if you we, wanted to watch the trailer. That yeah. Was it, hyperspace, that's all that <laughs> yeah. No, back then, if you wanted to watch a trailer, because uh, Phantom Menace did, there was a trailer online, but you actually had to um, download it overnight to actually watch it, and it was about I the size of a stand. That very, very well. Yeah. Who yeah. did that? So, yeah, yeah. I remember downloading yeah. that. I my mate that we went to. I went to see the went to see the Star Wars with the other night. It was he came round, and I just like I think I'd not long had it like eight like a modern day computer from tiny computers with my six gig hard drive and downloaded this really pixelated, like happy looking thing. But it was just like, oh my God, this looks amazing. Mm. Uh, just being blown away. I think only prior to that, I downloaded the X-Files trailer the, the, to the film meeting, the first film. Oh, right. And then, and I remember, and it did, and it took hours. And then, you know, you know, world moved on. And by the time Attack of the Clones came out, that was a, I was really keen to see because I knew it was all shot digitally, so I was very keen to see how clean the image was going to look. And that, yeah, and that took like all day to download that track, although that was in HD. Mm. Whereas the Phantom Menace one was just, I probably still got it on like a random hard drive somewhere. But yeah, I got it on those days as well. Because <laughs> in a way of like the modem and stuff. Ah, good old days. There yeah. you go. Um, well, speaking Antonio, of internet. While you're on. Do you have uh, anything that you want to promote or anything that you're working on or anything like that that uh, we always give our guests that opportunity if you if you want to have it? No. Fair enough. <laughs> That's easy then. <laughs> uh, Anthony, uh, is there any updates about Ghostbusters? There, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's always a... Oh, God, how long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's all going well. We are currently cutting the 90-minute version of the doc. We've, we've got the... It's more than a rough, really, to be honest. We've got a rough hour of the three-hour version, the, the full kind of like fan version, I suppose. Um, but that isn't quite commercially viable. So we've got to chop it down, and we're hoping to get that roughed by sort of like the end of Jan um, and have it all polished up, both versions kind of polished up by spring. And then we'll be working on uh, part two, all about Ghostbusters two. So we are finally we are actually very close, and it's looking great because we've got all like there's all like motion graphics are kind of like are in now, and or most of them. There's a few patches here and there, which is all just take it to spring to kind of like fill in those little blanks. But yeah, we're actually it's in a really good spot, and the fact that we have a version that's almost kind of complete is a very nice feeling after all these years. So. Mm. Um, needs to have all the sound worked on and um, and have all that kind of balanced and, and have a proper score because I've only put a temp score in. Um, but yeah, like, and every day we're getting something new. We've, I just got an email from someone about uh, an, a song that was written and was only ever used in the very first teaser trailer for it. 
Okay. And we've been able to find out who did it, and they've still got it. And uh, so I've got, to, I've got to email them back, actually. So, yeah, all <laughs> on the Ghostbusters front is good, and we look set to be in a good little place come uh, 2018. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy. Excellent. And where can people find out more about that, Anthony? Listeners? Well, if they don't know by now, then sort of. <laughs> um, it's on, uh, look on our website, which is buenoproductions.com, and a lot of the information is there. But of course, there is the joys of Facebook. So uh, just do a search for Cleaning Up the Town, Remembering Ghostbusters on Facebook, or just do a, a search for Ghostbusters Doc. Um, and that's also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I think it's a, I don't, I don't think I've got anything there. So yeah, they're the places, and there are, you can still. Um, contribute into our kind of crowdfunding if you want to get your name in the credits or you know, get any other the, the incentives that we've got there. You're still able to do that through the website, and that is something we will lock down um, probably early part of the new year. Certainly, as once we've sort of like locked the dock, then we just won't be able to put name, more names back in. So at some point, we'll be locking it off. Um, but anyway, so yeah, but that's that's where you can get all the information about it and see the trailer and uh, see what's coming soon. Splendid. And Do Keith, it. where can people find your work? Uh, if you go to YouTube and put in British Isles, spell E-Y-L-E-S, as in my last name, uh, there's some short films that I've made there, and obviously you can get in touch through the podcast. And as always, you can find my work through independentrunnings.com. Uh, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and all good podcast providers. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. And please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. It all helps. So that just leaves me to uh, thank our guests for coming on. Uh, thank you very much. I uh, very much enjoyed the release of being able to talk about the film. <laughs> <laughs> I can now feel very comfortable when I sit and watch it on Sky in about a year. <laughs> so thanks very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Enjoyed, I have. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, join us for the next episode of Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. Catch you later, kid.